welcome to chapter three. In this chapter, Sally shares her main recovery learnings. Looking back now, what would you say were the most crucial and beneficial elements or beneficial things for your recovery? Uh, Definitely um, setting habits and being strict with your habits um, because we know that habits compound over over time um, to the point where there's a checklist and making sure you get the well-being things done, the eight hours of sleep, the good food, the good, you know, the hydration and even making sure your self-talk. So the habit is, you know, ticking that you've done some good self-talk that day. You know, you've stopped the negative thoughts and you've replaced them with positive thoughts. Um, That was really important. Also reflecting uh, daily on what went well. That was a really big thing for me. Or the 1% improvements, finding out something that went well or something that improved. So those daily habits were really important. And I did write down what I wanted to achieve every day and I tried to tick the box every day. Um, That was a really important thing. The second thing that was very important was, I guess, being a student of my purpose. So making sure I read the latest research on stroke recovery, um, made sure I was finding out the leading um, research, applying it to my training program. That made me feel very empowered, not just being a patient. Um, I really wanted to be the pilot, not the passenger. Um, That was incredibly empowering, Owning, owning my story, owning my recovery, and owning my training program. Um, so it yes. didn't make me feel like a victim. It made me feel like a survivor. And, and where were you finding your, like in terms of the, your, your reading material and, and the things that you were then incorporating into your own training, where were you finding that? I think most of it uh, came from The Brain That Changes Itself, Norman Deutsch's um, book. They talked a lot about constraint-induced therapy And that was Mm -hmm. my big um, shift for me. Um, Constraint-induced therapy is for those people that have lost sensation in one part of their body um, and, you know, a stroke survivor. So being paralysed down one side of the body, I was able to strap my good side, my strong side, my non-affected side to my body and it would force me to use my weak side. Um, So my weak side, you know, I would stagger up to a door and attempt to get my left arm, which is my paralysed arm, to turn that door handle And even just by thinking about the movement was creating those neural pathways or reinvigorating those neural pathways. Um, Now, you're only meant to do that for two or three hours a day is what the research says um, because you get so exhausted. Um, But I pushed the boundaries a bit there. I think we all know each other. We all know ourselves well enough and I felt like I had a limited time to... You had a higher limit. (laughs) Yeah, so I went pretty hard on that. Um, I did have a few falls and, you know... How many hours a day did you do? um, You know, I did it every moment of the day Robbie I was desperate <laughs> I was I was in the most desperate place um and I was desperate so I and I knew how to cope with exhaustion you know through my training as an elite athlete I knew how to push through and I was desperate yeah I have to say I was not following any 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 uh, prescribed program I was writing my own program and I was um yeah I was in a I was in a desperate place so I pushed myself every moment of the day I would be working that weak side to the point of exhaustion because that's how you train yeah. an Olympic athlete and that's how I knew how to train was to push the body yep. to exhaustion. and um, Go hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was young and perhaps the research might have been done on elderly stroke patients. I'm not sure, but I felt I was young. I was an Olympic athlete and I was 
angry. <laughs> I was fired <laughs> up. There was no way I could stay in this place. I knew I had to call on everything I'd learned in my life to pull myself together. And, you know, going to three Olympics was hard, but being a stroke survivor was twice as hard. You know, I can't tell you how deep I had to dig um, to transfer those lessons from sport over to the rehab space um, and how much that, that year tested me. You know, it was the most testing year of my life. Well, well done. Um, but the most rewarding at the same time, you know, when you can look back and realise that achievement. And I'm prouder to be a stroke survivor than I am to be an Olympic athlete because I know how hard it is to survive a brain injury and, and get your, your, uh, your life back again, whatever that may be, you know, whatever happiness that may be. What is the best or the most worthwhile investment you've made um, during your recovery? Now, that could be an investment of time, energy, effort, money, whatever. That's a good question. Um, investment in time would be my answer. Investment of being connected to others. Okay. Uh, prior to my brain injury, I think I was on a treadmill, you know, chasing career, chasing materialistic things. And I think a brain injury teaches you that time is not guaranteed, tomorrow is not guaranteed, um, friends are important. I do remember um, the best, les- best life lesson I learned while I was in rehab was the lessons from the elderly and the, most of those lessons were about time. You know, yeah, the okay. palliative care um, elderly stroke survivors that I was sharing a room with said things to me like they'd wish they'd followed their dreams or they'd wish they'd stayed in touch with friends, or they wish they didn't work so hard. Yeah. And that was gold to me. You know, I was getting a whole year off life, and here I was listening to the elderly tell me what they re- their regrets, and most of it were they wish they had more time, you know, to follow their dreams, spend time with friends, not work so hard. So the gift of time is what this brain injury has taught me, and I've applied that in my life today. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, you've... You've mentioned Norman Doidge's book, so you, this might be the answer, but I'll, I'll ask the question anyway. What book, and it, or it could be a movie or YouTube video, for instance, would you gift to someone who's recovering from a similar stroke and why? That's a great question. Um, I was given a gift when I was in rehab by one of the elderly uh, roommates, one of the elderly stroke survivors, and she gave me this beautiful Japanese bowl. Um, I think you pronounce it kintsuji. Um, and it is the ancient Japanese art of wabi-sabi. Now, the bowl she ah. gave me was broken but glued together with glued back together with gold glue. Yeah, um, beautiful. And she could see that I was really nervous about being discharged after a year because I was terrified because I had so many flaws. I I felt imperfect. You know, I walked with a limp. I spoke with a slur. My handwriting was illegible, um, and I was a teacher. You know, I felt all of I felt really imperfect so she gave me this bowl and she taught me the lesson that um i guess that lesson of that ancient japanese art that um seeing possibilities and imperfections so she said that even though your body is broken we've got to capitalize on our authentic point of difference so you've got to redefine your perception of imperfection and she just nailed it for me because i think we all have a story we all have a crack in our bowl um, and she did tell me that that crack is where the light shines through. That's your point of difference now and you need to, I guess, be proud. Um, and now every time I do sort of share that point of difference or show my vulnerability, I feel like 
I get better trust, better connection, better communication with those around me. So that was the gift that I would give another person is the wabi-sabi bowl because that perception of imperfection is something I think we all struggle with. And I think we've all got a story and we all need to be a bit more vulnerable in sharing our story to be able to develop a bit more trust and connection with others. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. That's a lovely gift. She sounds like a very wise woman. Yeah. And I've passed that gift on to many, you know, it's one of those pay it forward gifts that I try and make sure <laughs> that we do share that, nice. that around. Yeah. Since your stroke, yeah. what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Since my stroke, I've been able to reflect um, back on my Olympic career and also on the year um, that I took to um, rehabilitate. Um, and now I, I put it down to an acronym. So I try and keep this acronym going, and that's the acronym of GOLD, so G-O-L-D. So I've always reflect back to the lessons I'd learned at the Olympics and the lessons I learned in the rehab centre. And if I can look at those strategies I used, it really does spell the word gold. So it's the gratitude, making sure every single day, you know, I find something to be grateful for. And I know gratitude's a buzzword, but really it's sort of asking yourself what went well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I go to the extent of writing that down every single day. Um, I also go to the extent of asking my children who are now um, 10 and 11 what went well for them um, because I think gratitude really brings those positive emotions. Yep. And then the second thing, the O, that obstacles are opportunities, that's a really important thing or obstacles have meaning. Um, We are all going to face challenges. We've all got curveballs coming our direction. No one's going to be, I guess, um, no one's going to get away um, from those sorts of things. So trying to find meaning of why this is happening and what this means and what lessons that you are being taught, um, I think that's the second thing that's really important. Um, The L stands for um, leading from within. I really think we have to find out what's within us um, and, you know, it's that authentic leadership, finding out our point of difference and being proud of our vulnerabilities um, and leading with those vulnerabilities. Um, That's really important to me, leading from the heart and finding out who we are um, and what our purpose is, um, is incredibly important. And then lastly, which I've spoken about a fair bit um, through this podcast, is the daily habits Mm. and making sure you commit to those daily habits that change the trajectory of your life. And that's the biggest one, the daily habits, you know, getting a, a solid routine set up and it's often the boring stuff that ends up really compounding and improving the trajectory of your life, you know, that that really boring stuff that we often let our subconscious take charge of. If we can actually be a bit more aware of what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're saying to ourselves, who we're talking to, what time we're going to bed, how much we're drinking, eating, yeah. um, those are the things, those are the daily habits. So that gold acronym um, are my four pillars of well-being um, and I live by those those four pillars and I ensure everyone around me lives by those four pillars and the kids that I teach you know, live by those four pillars because I think they're really important um, and they will uh, bring a bit better well-being and happiness into our lives. Mm. Thank you. What advice would you give to someone who has just experienced a stroke? Um, and I'll, I suppose just for context, yeah. probably the timing, um, targeting, I guess, the time when they've just finished their initial rehab and they're just about to re-enter, I guess, the real world, if you like. So that area, that the, the time when you were given that beautiful gift of that bowl um, by your fellow patient, that time when there's a lot of fear about, oh, I've hit the 90 days and I'm still not right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not um, 
how I was before and there's a, there's a fair bit of fear there. What advice would you have to someone in that position? Yeah, the advice I'd give, probably three things. Um, the first one being go back and check, you know, you've got the foundation, right? Go back and check those daily habits. Um, make sure that, you know, you are getting good sleep, good food, um, good support around you and you've got the right people in your life. So get all the foundation things right and get some good daily habits set up, okay, because I don't think we can do anything until you've got a strong base. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can move forward until you've got that strong base is, you know, eight hours of sleep, good food, um, you know, great books around you, you know, educational books, you know, talking to yourself in a positive mindset. I think once we've got that foundation, um, then it's about trying to make sense of what's happened to you. Um, and that comes down to that um, thinking, a, you know, a gift or an obstacle is actually a gift. It's an opportunity. So trying to make sense of what's happened to you and try and figure out um, what this means um, and trying to be find something positive out of this. You know, perhaps you're now spending more time with your family. Perhaps you're now looking at a career change. Um, so trying to make any sort of meaning because I think science tells us that if we can make meaning of obstacles, we're in a way better place to recover. Mm-hmm. And then the third lesson I think is re- that's really important or the third thing that I'd share is that um, authentic leadership, that now celebrate your point of difference. Um, perhaps capitalise on your your point of difference, your authentic point, and start to redefine your thoughts of what um, imperfection is um, because that's really important. We're all aware. Um, we all have FOPO, you know, fear of other people's opinions. Um, when we our body changes and our um, – perhaps our speech gets slurred or you develop a limp, um, but it's about that authentic leadership now. So perhaps um, I guess not having FOMO or FOPO, you know, uh, don't be ashamed of who you are. Um, start to find out that this point of difference is now um, something you have to own. You know, you need to own this situation now and you have to use this to your advantage. So find this point of difference, um, see it as your authentic and let the light shine through the cracks in, in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the three things that I, I guess I'd pass on. Great advice. I've got to ask, what's <laughs> what's FOPO? Ah, oh, fear of other people's opinions. Oh. So we've all heard of FOMO. So FOMO um, is fear of missing out. Yeah, but fear FOPO is fear of other people's opinions. Yeah, that's good. I, I was a big sufferer of that one. You know, <laughs> I was, you know, my whole career, and I, and I think many um, brain injury survivors, it's so hard to go back to your career after these calamities, you know, yes. after these brain injuries. Um, I was, you know, my job was a director of sport at a um, an elite girls' school. And, you know, I was always up on stage giving speeches um, and I was always driving school buses and, you know, I was one of the leaders in the school and I was so terrified of going back. I couldn't drive a bus. I couldn't demonstrate, you know, anything in PE classes anymore and I couldn't give a speech at assembly. So I was terrified. Um, but it gave me a new opportunity to change careers um, and now I'm in a better place. So sometimes those obstacles have meaning and uh, sometimes these things perhaps happen for a reason, you know, mm. and put you in a better place than you were. Yep. What bad recommendations did you hear during your recovery? And those could be bad generally or specifically for you at a specific time. I'm not sure if this will answer the question, but it's not being avoid being a victim, avoid being a passenger. Yes. Own this own this situation, research as much as you can. You know, be the pilot, not the passenger. Take the 
be accountable for what's happened to you. You know, the last thing we need to do, and we feel like often doing it, is point the finger and blame others and ask why, but that's going to help no one. So we really need to own the situation, uh, become a student of your purpose, read everything you can on your condition, find out about the latest research, um, apply it to your condition. Um, that empowerment is the most important thing. Um, and I keep saying to this, you know, we've got to be a pilot, not a passenger. I don't want, you know, you can't be a victim or you're not going to improve. We have to own yeah. own our story. And once we own our story, then I think we're bulletproof. I'm not sure if this is sort of the case or not, but, you know, you, there are times when we have bad days or um, symptoms can flare and that sort of thing, and that can be quite intimidating within itself. If you have a symptom flare or something like that, what what how do you tackle that? Yeah, that happens a lot. You know, it's I'm probably painting quite a rosy picture, but the reason um, I'm painting a rosy picture because we have to be optimistic and we've always got to be flooding our brain with positive thoughts. Um, quite often, you know, I see no progression. I see myself going backwards. I see myself limping, um, slurring my words, um, messy writing, um, you know, being mis- misunderstood. Um, and when this happens, I just go back to that foundation of daily habits you know, make sure I'm yes. getting sleep, make sure I'm looking after myself. Then I go to my mental health right. and make sure I'm actually writing down the things that went well, celebrating the successes. Um, so it's about going back to the foundation and checking that's in place before you start the the self-doubt, before you start criticising yourself and, and feeling like you're going backwards. Yeah, good advice. That's the end of chapter three. In the final chapter, Sally describes the lessons she applied from her Olympic career 